Welcome to the Deptford Cinema Podcast. He loves movies and board games. He likes cooking gumbo for his friends and spending Sundays in his bathrobe. But most importantly, he's my neighbor. And he recommends films. Hello and welcome to another episode of My Neighbor Recommends. Yeah, regulars might already know that since the pandemic, my neighbor likes to work remotely and keeps inviting me to those fantastic places. Last time I met him in the jungle where we talked about Spike Lee's Jungle Fever and Werner Herzog's Agere. Yeah, although I'm a bit scared, I'm on my way to my neighbor, who is currently working in a castle as a mobile hair and nail artist to a person called The Count. Besides talking about B-movies made by Full Moon Features and Peter Maddox's The Changeling, 1980, we have two firsts in this episode. My neighbor's first blind recommendation, yeah! Castle Freak, what a film, 1995 by Stuart Gordon. And yeah, we have another first, because I stopped watching a film my neighbor recommended, Akira. To be fair, it was expectable because I knew I cannot separate the art from toxic artists and work environments. I'm normally all up for arty, creative and provocative projects, but, you know, in a supportive, respectful and kind work environment, is that much to ask? For this specific film, I could only think about what I knew about the filming conditions and its leading actor, and knowing there were only a few women on set, indigenous people and wild animals didn't help either. Oh, I see a light in a window. Only one light, though, in a huge castle. Ah, uh, must be with go-to energy. Okay. <sighs> Why am I here? I'm really scared. It's a bit dark as well. Okay, let's do that. I'm... Hello. Come on in. Cucumber water. Oh, uh, cheers. Yeah, why not? He's waiting for you in here. Thanks. See you later. I need to remove my old nail polish now. That neighbor person said... actually a lovely fella. This guy? Yeah. My employer? Yeah. So, actually, when have you started uh, that business? I, I didn't know. Oh, just today. I go where I'm required. I, I saw an ad, actually, in the yellow pages. Okay, okay. It's a very faded ba- faded copy, but um, I saw an ad, basically, which was from a kind of mysterious count-like figure who mm-hmm. needed a little bit of a a dust-up on the old nails and hair. 
Okay, yeah, I guess it makes sense because uh, he cannot come to a proper salon because daylight is not the best. No, and actually, like, all the mirrors I got were those little pocket mirrors with, like, LED lights in, and, like, I learned very quickly that he wasn't into that. So you do a pedicure as well and manicure? I do a pedicure, yeah. Uh, it's not very good down there. I don't know if you know much about bats, but they like to hang upside down. They like to have some purchase and some grip. And so I have to trim the nail, but not take it all the way down. It needs a bit of curvature to it, you know? Yeah, yeah. So they can so hang. Quite tricky, basically. But, but have you done it... So it's your first day in that new job, actually. Yes, yes. It's, it's oh, more okay. like ice sculpture than cutting nails, really. I have to kind of, you know, really kind of get the angles right. And it, it, he seems happy. Okay, okay. And uh, uh, But you're going to stay there for the next... Uh, one or two weeks or something like that yeah yeah, yeah. it's it's a night by night process yeah. um, I, th I think it's going to be a massive bill that I give this guy okay to bring him back to kind of normal yeah but yeah it's going to be it's going to be costly I think this is a good business venture yeah it is actually yeah. cool yeah so uh, thanks for inviting me neighbor it's it's actually it was a really interesting trip here so this time It was your first blind recommendation. It was my first blind recommendation. Because It's dark out like, here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you've never seen Castle Freak. Castle Freak. Why, oh why, did you recommend Castle Freak? Why? 1995 by Stuart Gordon, because you've never seen it. No, I, just because of the name. You know, obviously I'm in this castle and I was thinking it would be good to recommend some things that were to do with castles and big houses. And there's always been this film called Castle Freak. And the cover was always really, really horrible. And I was like, what is this? This looks terrible and horrible. But it looks like it might be so terrible and horrible that it's actually good. So I felt like I could recommend it. Can I quickly ask, is it the one with the almost naked teenager or the other one where I just see a freak? Um, oh, it was the one where we just see a freak that I saw. The one with the kind of hair lip, oh, yeah. kind of horrible um, thing going on with the mouth. It was that. I later saw this poster with the, the teenage girl and the hands coming round. But, yeah, I mean, this will give you some indication as to how um, politically correct and appropriate this film is and horribly sexually um, inappropriate. But um, apparently the poster for the film existed before the film itself. So... <laughs> <laughs> Castle Freak. Uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't really um, know much about it, apart from I have seen some of Stuart Gordon's other things and knew what kind of... what we'd be getting into. So I have seen uh, Reanimator. I was wondering, because I, I read about Reanimator and I read about From Beyond, <laughs> and that he always uh, cast the same actors. Um, yeah. And for some reason, it always plays in the castle, and we're going to talk about the castle later. But, yeah, so you've seen those films. That's interesting. I've seen Reanimator, and I've seen Bride of Reanimator, um, which was done by his producer, Brian Yasner, who is also a really, really weird guy. But, yeah, like, Reanimator is a really fun kind of um, movie that goes really crazy at the end, and it's very squishy, and there's lots of body horror, and it's also quite sexually inappropriate, so... I think we know what his vibe was. But um, they're all, those three films, Reanimator, From Beyond, and uh, Castle Freak, are all very, very loose adaptations of H.P. Lovecraft stories. I really like H.P. Lovecraft, but he's a lot higher brow <laughs> than these movies would suggest. 
Yeah, I actually only found out about H.P. Lovecraft, and um, they said, they said, when I mean they, I mean the people on the internet, said that he wasn't really well known back then, and then Stuart Gordon made some films, and that was one reason why he got known. Is that, yeah. is that, is he, that a true story? He was a very isolated individual, Lovecraft. He basically didn't really go out of the house from like from about the age of 18 when everyone else was having fun he basically stayed inside with lived with his mother mm. and kind of wrote these really weird stories and he was a very kind of bitter introverted person but his oh. stories are amazing like oh. they're really really good but they're all about cosmic horror th- sort of things that are slightly mutated and unknowable and so all these things have a kind of squishy monster kind of feel to them that happens when you live with your mom your listeners and also he he died poor he had no money just wanted to mention that as well so even dear artists if you don't make money when you're still alive you might become rich when you're dead that's good news (laughs) speaking of what can happen when you live with your mother the plot of Castle Freak centers around well the first shot we see a cat we see a cat and it's kind of licking from a bowl of milk and this old lady seems to be kind of slicing some sausage and leaving things, some things out for the cat. She's a nice lady, clearly. Yes. She cares for the animals. But then we see that actually kept underneath the basement of this Italian castle in a cell locked up is what can only be described as a castle freak. Da, da, da. Who is this figure? Why is he there? Why does he not have a penis? We will not get the answers to these questions. I got some Austrian cellar vibes. I have very, to say. yes, very much so. So the plot is essentially about uh, this old lady who has been keeping her son locked up in a cell. She dies and she leaves the castle to a, <laughs> a long removed blood relative who comes over from America. Of course, it's always Americans. Always Americans, because the only way that they can ever interact with European culture is inheriting something and coming over to sell it, to gut the castle and sell it. So our our main character is a kind of... um, I can't even remember his profession. He's a he's a man. He has lots of backstory. <laughs> yes. He's a man. That's all we need to know. Yes. He he has a wife, played by Barbara Crampton, who is a, a, a sort of 80s, uh, sort of what they call the final girl. She's oh. in lots of 80s slasher movies. And he's Jeffrey Combs. Jeffrey Combs, who is in all of um, Stuart Gordon's films. He's a very bespectacled man, bespectacled, nerdy-looking man. So he, his wife, and his blind daughter. <laughs> and it turns out that the reason that his daughter is blind is because of a hideous accident perpetrated by Jeffrey Combs himself. So there is guilt, there is marital blame, the, the couple are drifting apart because essentially he has blinded his daughter and killed their son in a car accident. And this is the, the moment at which we come to meet this family it is in complete disarray they move into this castle not knowing what is in the basement (laughs) yes Stuart Gordon actually said the morale of the film is be a good parent (laughs) (laughs) don't laugh it's a you know it's a privilege not a right think about it I mean there is there that that is true like there the, the only redemption there is in the story or form of improvement or anything is to do with parenting. He there, does There you go. He does 
go for it. Do well. we want to talk about Stuart Gordon as a director before we tell the audience more about the plot? I mean, quite possibly. Because I think it's, he's quite an... In, or he was, actually, he died last year. He was actually uh, quite... I did not know that. That's awful. Mm. I did not realise. Yeah, 70-something, 75 or something. Okay. Mm. Yeah, so Stuart Gordon, he was quite a controversial and uh, provocative uh, theatre director. I read about that show called The Game Show. Yeah, I I actually couldn't find more about the game show, but I just know he wanted <laughs> he wanted the audience to go out of that show, and that's basically what happened every night. People just went out of that show, and uh, yeah, I don't know what happened. Maybe some of the audience members can tell us. What am I talking about? Are they still alive? Did they kill each other? We will never find out. So he just made, wanted to make a game show so horrible that everyone left. I think it had something to do with you cannot trust the person sitting next to you in in the audience and oh. stuff like that. So very provocative. Uh, yeah, I I mean I'm always fascinated by stuff like that, but also a bit. Uh, it's always a bit bizarre. He also did the Peter Pan show, which is actually quite a good thing because he protested against the war in Vietnam, mm. and then he got and then he got pepper sprayed by the police. So he said, you know what? Let's take. The, the text from Peter Pan and make the pirates the police and stuff like that. So very controversial which is really, I think it's a really cool thing to do. But then he projected something onto seven naked young ladies. So again, it seems it seems there always has to be nudity and I mean I can understand if you want to be scandalous and I think if he was a nice and decent guy it's all fine I read this interview by a by a female journalist and she said he was the nicest guy you can imagine so that helps me yep. because if he's a decent nice guy I think he can do it if he's a yeah. you know Weinstein guy yeah no that's the thing like again we don't know anything about this man's personal life but the impression that I get is just he really likes boobs and there you have it fools stop he also directed uh, the the. Um, did he direct it or did he write it? I can't remember. The taste. The taste. Is, I do not know of this. Do you know Armin Maivis? I do. Not. He is the Rotenburg cannibal. Yeah, you don't know the story about the Rotenburg cannibal, I do not. dear neighbor. I do not. I quickly tell you. I think it was around twenty years ago, and he. I think he lived with his mom before, uh, uh, for a long time as well. It's always the same story. And he, back then, twenty years ago, the internet was quite young, but he was looking for a person who wanted to get eaten, as you do online. And then there was this guy. I don't know his name. He said, "Yes, I'm the one." So basically, they agreed because that guy he lived with his mother and he just wanted to be eaten and this Armin Maivis he just wanted love so much so the only way of getting that big love was to eat someone to have that person in him so they met up and the first thing they did was cutting off this guy's penis and eat it together yes and oh then, god Finally, obviously, he killed him. 
and then he ate him and he kept a bit in the fridge. So the question was, is he guilty? Because the other guy said, yes, eat me. Oh. And oh. Any idea? Judges around the world must be mm-hmm. really enjoying this. What kind of precedent that sets. I think he wasn't guilty. Yeah. <laughs> but who am I to judge? Who are you? Will we ever find out? Yes, we do. He's in, still in prison. <laughs> Okay, so he was guilty. <laughs> oh, uh, Maybe I should be a judge. Yeah, you should. So let's go back to the plot of the castle freak. We're back in the castle, and I like that this guy is... He wants to do an inventory of the castle, and he's there with his little notebook and a pen, and I think he just goes into one room. What, what does he write down? Mirror? Mirror. Uh, That's the important thing. Um, bed? Whip. <laughs> he finds a whip doesn't know what's going on with that. Yeah. This was the whip that the, uh, the the mother of the house used to whip the castle freak, the titular castle freak. Mm-hmm. But he kind of doesn't really think very much of it. I think at this point, kind of like puts it down. I do like that the first thing he has to do is list every item in the house to try and sell it. He clearly, he wants to be out of there. Isn't that what you do? You, you write down everything, t- 270 mirrors, yeah. one whip. I've just inherited a gigantic Italian castle. I instantly must get it off my hands. Yeah. I don't want it. But actually, we never come back to the inventory in the film. We do not. That is... It's a shame. Okay, then, oh, the blind daughter, she runs around and the freak. Yes, so the blind daughter uh, runs around and obviously, blind daughter, this is a fantastic plot contrivance to for a disgusting, ugly freak to roam about and her not to know. And... Um, it seems that the freak has some designs on people. I mean, so the mirror that you mention, as the freak gets out somehow, and the first thing he does is see himself in the mirror and cower and smash the mirror. And this is the first kind of strange paranormal event that happens in the house that clues the family in, like, there's something going on here. And then the freak just starts to roam around at night. And, of course... His first thing he does is to leer over the blind daughter as she sleeps in her, just her bra. And obviously the castle freak is starting to get flutters of emotion of of what could be. He's obviously been locked up for a very long time. And I think this is a bit of an instigating moment for many things that will happen later in the plot. Can I make some vomit noises now? (laughs) I just wanted to mention, don't eat anything while you're watching the thumb scene. It's oh, right. yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't remember what happened. Yeah. yeah, so the thumb scene. So basically, the way that he escapes is by, like, biting off his own thumb so that it can go through the manacle. And it's real squishy and kind of horrible effects. The effects in this film are actually pretty good. But yes, that's how he frees himself, is biting off his own thumb. Yeah. So you mentioned the effects. I really have to say, because the, it was low budget, the effects were really good, the makeup was really good. It, mm. it took them six hours each day. That's mm. also good. And I really liked the handheld camera. It was actually filmed by a documentary uh, camera guy. Mm. Sound was really good as well. And the actors, apart from that one scene (laughs) where Jeffrey Combs is outside talking to the police and says, we want you to search this castle. It was a bit like, I am an actor. 
He's like that in all the other films, by the way. This is actually the best I've seen him. Like he, because he's actually playing a real person, like who has some form of backstory and family and connection. Whereas in the other films, he's kind of playing like mad scientists and things like that. So he kind of goes full operatic and kind of silly. Whereas actually, he, they were nicely both. Both of I think in general, the, both of them as a couple were quite subdued and quite believable for a kind of rough B movie horror. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned mad scientist. I just, I just uh, want to ask you if you know that Stuart Gordon, our director, also wrote "Honey, I Shrunk the Kids." <laughs> <laughs> That's random. <laughs> They should not have let that man near anything to do with family friendly entertainment. What are they thinking? Ah, oh, oh, it's legendary. Good. <laughs> Honey, I've trapped my son in the basement and now he's become an insatiable rapist. Yeah. Yeah. So Full Moon Entertainment is actually the production company behind those great films. And Charles Band is the guy who owns it. Do you wanna? Do you know more about the Full Moon Entertainment? I, I found it quite interesting. So Full Moon Entertainment was a company that was very prominent in the 80s and 90s and they did lots of micro-budget horror and they've got some particularly bad stuff. They did the Puppet Master series, oh. which is quite fun, actually. But they, they were notorious for these very schlocky straight-to-video. Um, and actually, Castle Freak ended up being a straight-to-video release. It was going to be a theatrical release in 1994 and it ended up just like being pushed back and pushed back and pushed back and they just released it, released it on video in 1995 um, but yeah Full Moon, Full Moon Entertainment did a lot of this low low bottom drawer horror stuff um, and I do know that the producer actually owns that castle and <laughs> so they filmed this basically at his house Do you recommend your neighbour making horror films as a producer? There is one producer who should be making horror films and that is Brian Yuzna who worked with Stuart Gordon on Reanimator and there's a little film called Society that I would highly recommend Dear Neighbour I don't want to say much more but it has the most disgusting scene I've ever seen in cinema history really? and I've seen a lot of disgusting stuff uh -huh. yeah we might come to that one one day so basically horror films can be very lucrative because he owns that castle in Italy but it's on the other hand it's quite good because you can shoot all your films in the castle so Exactly. Oh, I think uh, he, I think he's calling you. Do you quickly want to have a... What's next? Put the eye mask back on! Mm. No, it's, it's still a little bit light. <coughs> How have they grown already? Oh. Just a second. Okay, cool. It's a, bit, <clears throat> it's, it's a bit scary here sitting on my own. What is he doing? Is that a hammer? Is that... So that's not just toenails, it's actual... Real nails, screws, a lighter. What is it? Okay, that's a bit bizarre. But okay, but, I mean, listen, he he might scream, but I think I think he's all right. He okay, the neighbor is wrestling him down. Now he's on the floor. It's okay, okay, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, everything all right? It seems. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Good. Just, uh, he needed to relax a little bit more. He was, uh, banging against the, the lid of the coffin, so. Okay. Are you alright? Yeah. Okay. It's all good. It's all good. Uh, no scratches. I mean, 
Okay, um, you're bleeding though. No, no, that's um, mascara. Okay, don't show it to him, just a little tip. Okay. Okay, um, yeah, uh, do we want to mention the slut shaming scene? Just to, I uh, just to there let you know. There is so much slut shaming in this. But just, yeah. just to let you know, she'll screw everyone. Yes, myself included, says the lawyer. Yeah, there you go. I think the, uh, what I find funny about, I'm going to call this the morality, I'm doing air quotes, the morality of 80s and 90s horror movies. I find it really funny that the the chaste daughter, the bl- chaste blind daughter at the beginning, it, like, it feels like there's going to be some sort of horrible sexual thing happen to her, but it holds off and it doesn't do it. So, let us introduce this sex worker character who's clearly, air quotes, deserving of the monster's kind of fate. And it just feels like this whole character exists to kind of be someone who the monster can kill off and people won't be so outraged because she quote-unquote deserved it and all the town folk although all the town folk do seem to have sampled her services they seem to be quite forthright about yeah but that's alright <laughs> but yeah so basically Jeffrey Combs' character after a huge argument decides to go out and get really really drunk and invites the attentions of a of a younger lady and he, he can't believe his luck he can't believe his luck and so they obviously have a little um, romantic encounter, <laughs> shall we say, <laughs> in, the, in the basement uh, of the castle, of which the castle freak spies from afar. And I think it is important to say, very specifically and graphically, that the, the castle freak does see some oral sex being perpetrated from afar. And this is important. A key plot point. Because, again, the castle freak is learning. He's learning every day. He hasn't seen people before. So this is what people do, right? He's basically a child in a, in a man's body. Exactly. So he's seen what the adults do. And then he, he recedes to his cabin. And Geoffrey Coombs then realises that this, this woman is a sex worker and uh, she, she wants money from him. So, oh, Geoffrey. Oh, yeah. You were not that hot as you thought. She just wanted your money. <laughs> so, of course, he shows up at door, but that leaves her alone in a castle, having just extracted money from our beloved protagonist, and, of course, having looser sexual morals. Something is about to happen to her. <sighs> yes, and then again, don't eat anything for the next scene. Absolutely not. I think this... It got in a lot of trouble for this scene, I think, this film. <laughs> I don't even know if we can describe it. I Wasn't it even blessed by the Vatican, that film? Yes. So I get they apparently they literally had to get the film blessed by the Vatican. I don't know whether that was so that they would release it. Or... Did they watch it? That's the question. Yeah, I don't really understand. Sounds a bit like a publicity stunt. Maybe. But yeah, there's some there's some horrible stuff that happens in the middle of Castle Freak. I, yeah. I mean, he he's like a child. He sees that. And obviously he wants to imitate it. So in a way, I mean, he's, he's a bit... I feel for him a bit. I feel sorry for him. Yeah. To be honest, one thing that's quite good about the movie is it does have some empathy for the castle freak. Yes, exactly. It does kind of... It doesn't suggest that he's complete... I mean, he is completely brutish and ghoulish. But there's a little bit of empathy in the film, I think, for him. 
He does just do what yes. he does what he sees. Dear listeners, watch that masterpiece. No, but I really have to say, it was better than expected. It, it was better it, than expected. It's, it's a monster film. It's a horror film. It's it, it's all right. Yeah, I mean, I think things to recommend from it. It it has half decent characters and character <laughs> motivations for a horror film from this era. It it does have this theme of kind of family, and it does have like quite an interesting ending. It does have good effects. It delivers on you know at least two or three things that you won't be able to forget because they're gross out and disgusting. Um, and it's you know it's got some decent it's got some decent kills and scary segments towards the end. So yeah. I think it delivers. It delivers in that kind of B grade category. Then it delivers. Speaking of category, dear listeners, in the future we might have that segment films you shouldn't watch while eating and maybe another category called poorest victims any other trivia dear neighbor for us so um there is a scene in which our uh, beloved barbara crampton the mother of the family valiantly valiantly to save her daughter from uh, a, a very rapey demise bears her breasts to entice the creature towards her And I found it very amusing that the trivia said that Barbara Crampton was willing to go fully naked for this role and the intention was her to go fully naked at this point. But apparently the castle was a little chilly and so she just stopped at the breasts. Cool. Also what I thought was funny is from the trivia page I looked at, over 50% of the trivia was to do with nudity. Interesting, but it's... yeah. Um, I believe in Reanimator... She gets her breasts felt by a, a headless reanimated body. That's what I like to do on a Saturday evening. <laughs> Any other trivia that has nothing to do with nudity? There is none. By the way, castle films, they always seem... It always seems to be a horror film or some sort of, a, obviously, historic film, which is a horror on its yeah. own. I found one... <laughs> That is neither of those. It's Garfield. <laughs> a tale of two kitties. And guess how they write tale. Oh, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> That's too funny. Is it, it T-A-I-L? Like, like a cat. It's best film. Oh, it's genius. It's a bit like the Ginger Dead Man. It's, it's genius. It's yeah. so good. The Ginger Dead Man is a full moon movie. So. No way. So if you are checking out Castle Freak, then make sure to stop by and via the Ginger Dead Man. And we will see how much unnecessary nudity there is in that bakery. Full circle. And listen to the Christmas episode. If you have any questions or suggestions for future podcasts, or would like to get involved as volunteer, please email us at info at depthedcinema.org. Um... Uh, okay, so did he want nail polish as well? Nail polish? Yeah. He wanted nail polish. Uh, not nail Romanian. Um, are you a right neighbor? I have some scuffs. It's fine. Uh, okay. It seems you're a little bit changed, but that's fine. That's maybe just because it's now 3 a.m. Yep. Maybe you're tired. I f- feel okay. Okay. I have a kind of 
weird need to drink something. Um, there's some water. No. Um, Got and, anything over uh, here? Okay. Um, uh, what about this? Um, have you? Have you? Uh, yeah. Uh, sorry. Uh, yeah. <coughs> like, um, um, so um, you also recommended that film, The Changeling, 1980, by Peter Meadow. Can we quickly talk about that? Oh, sorry, change coming over me. Yes, I can talk about The Changeling. Um, the Changeling, from 1980, directed by Peter Medak, is a much higher brow film than Castle Freak. I thought that after you had your trash, you know, after you have your, your chicken wings, you need a, a sumptuous coco van. So this is the this is the, the the main meal. The it's got some substance to it, you could say. The Changeling is um, one of Martin Scorsese's favorite films of all time. Um, I think he said it's one of his the scariest films he's ever seen. Um, and it kind of has quite a big cult following. It is. It wasn't like a huge movie or blockbuster at the time, but it's something that you see on many, many lists, like, consistently across time, that, like, oh, yeah, there's this kind of forgotten film from the 80s that's actually really, really good horror. And, yeah, it's kind of being rediscovered uh, and reappraised. The plot of The Changeling, it follows a, a music composer who, basically, this movie has the most startlingly bleak and depressing first scene. Before the credits have even rolled, the main character, a composer pulls over to use a roadside telephone box. Um, and as he does so, a truck comes by and ploughs straight into his car, killing his wife and child. And then the credits, the title, the changeling comes up on the scene. So you're like, okay, what, what are we in for here? It kind of becomes a lot more gentle after this. It's a very startling introduction. Essentially, we follow... This composer, who's obviously had his life kind of torn apart, and he's lost the ability to write music. And so he decides to move across the country to Seattle, buy this incredibly large, ornate house from the Historical Society. So there's literally a community historical society who sell these properties. He manages to, to get it for a song. He gets it for a, for a good price, you know, no questions asked. And he begins to live in this very ornate house where he can compose on the piano and uh, he kind of is getting back in, in touch with himself. But then one day a child's bouncy ball kind of comes down the stairs. So it's all very strange, and as he kind of starts to explore the house, it's a kind of classic, like, rattling pipes, creaky noises, things bouncing down the stairs. It's that kind of classic creaky house movie where, as he unearths more and more secret rooms, he begins to sort of find a bit of history to the house. And what's really interesting about this film is... It's part horror film and it's part another genre that I'm not going to say. It kind of goes somewhere where you don't really expect it and it actually has quite like an interesting and complicated plot. But it's 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 not quite what you expect it to be. So I'm not I'm not going to kind of go to a certain place when describing this. But the reason I really recommend it is it actually it has really really good cast. 
it has a real kind of good backstory for its characters and it has a couple of really classic scenes that went on to like shape other bits in cinema there's a kind of like exorcism kind of scene where people are kind of li- you know, all linked around a table that's very good there's a bit where the characters are listening to audio reels of like something that's happened in a room mm-hmm. it's kind of like that thing in The Conjuring where you're like playing something back playing something back you're like mm-hmm. looking at the video looking at the video and, and so and that's very good Alejandro Amenabar, who directed The Others says that this film was a very big influence on some of the scenes Ooh, in that film if that's kind of your vibe if you like a kind of creaky haunted house movie that you don't know where it's going to go and has got actually a very interesting plot behind it I would certainly recommend The Changeling and it's based on a true story Really? There was a there was a fellow who moved into a house in Colorado and I believe it was at a place called Cheeseman Park. And this house is called Chessman House in The Changeling. So there's a little uh, clear homage going on. Uh, but essentially it's based upon the story, a real life story of a guy who moved into a house where there were lots of strange noises. And when he followed the strange noises, it actually wrapped him up in the history of the town and some political intrigue with one of the people in that town so it's kind of it was kind of very strange it was like the supernatural leading to mm. a more uh, a more realistic real life kind of story and that's that's what was unearthed in real life i'm intrigued now but also i have to go home which might be a scary experience thanks for recommending that film <sighs> It's really been really hard hard holding out for these five minutes. I'm really thirsty. By the way, have you have you been wearing the turtleneck before? Turtleneck? What are you talking about? Of course. Um, okay. Oh. Yeah. Um, I just want to say I'm not quite sure if I like based on real life events. It's it's. I mean, it makes sense. The political and the. It's not, but, but, what? What? <laughs> Ready. Yes, okay! It is time for your manicure, I'm coming! God damn it, it's a hard job. Thank you for listening to the Deptford Cinema Podcast. For more information about our current online activities, please visit our website, www.deptfordcinema.org. For cinema. Deva Cinema, the right place for film lovers. There it is. You were caught. What the heck did I do? Bit them all. Of course.